0: Chapter 15 of The World's Famous Orations, Volume 1, read for you by Brad Schließer. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The World's Famous Orations, Volume 1, by Varius. Chapter 15 Socrates on Being Condemned to Death. Born about 470 BC, died in 399. For a time followed his father's art as a sculptor, served in three campaigns, president of the Pyritonese in 406, and opposed the 30 tyrants, his philosophical precepts as those of the wisest man of his time, known to us only in the writings of his disciple, Plato. Footnote When the judges had passed sentence condemning him to death, Socrates concluded his speech as here given. End of footnote for the sake of no long space of time, O Athenians, you will incur the character and reproach at the hands of those who wish to defame the city, of having put that wise man, Socrates, to death. For those who wish to defame you will assert that I am wise, though I am not. If, then, you had waited for a short time, this would have happened of its own accord. For observe my age, that it is far advanced in life and near death. But I say this not to you all, but to those only who have condemned me to die, and I say this, too, to the same persons. Perhaps you think, O Athenians, that I have been convicted through the want of arguments, by which I might have persuaded you, had I thought it right to do and say anything, so that I might escape punishment. Far otherwise, I have been convicted through want indeed, yet not of arguments, but of audacity and impudence and of the inclination to say such things to you as would have been most agreeable for you to hear had i lamented and bewailed and done and said many other things unworthy of me as i affirm but such as you are accustomed to hear from others but neither did i then think that i ought for the sake of avoiding danger to do anything unworthy of a free man nor do i now repent of having so defended myself but I should much rather choose to die having so defended myself than to live in that way. For neither in a trial nor in battle is it right that I or anyone else should employ every possible means whereby he may avoid death. For in battle it is frequently evident that a man might escape death by laying down his arms and throwing himself on the mercy of his pursuers, and there are many other devices in every danger by which to avoid death if a man dares to do and say everything. But this is not difficult, O Athenians, to escape death. But it is much more difficult to avoid depravity, for it runs swifter than death. And now I, being slow and aged, am overtaken by the slower of the two. But my accusers, being strong and active, have been overtaken by the swifter, wickedness. And now I depart, condemned by you to death, but they condemned by truth, as guilty of iniquity and injustice, and I abide my sentence, and so do they. These things, perhaps, ought so to be, and I think that they are for the best. In the next place, I desire to predict to you who have condemned me what will be your fate, for I am now in that condition in which men most frequently prophesy, namely, when they are about to die. I say then to you, O Athenians, who have condemned me to death, that immediately after my death a punishment will overtake you, far more severe by Jupiter than that which you have inflicted on me. For you have done this thinking you should be freed from the necessity of giving an account of your life. The very contrary, however, as I affirm, will happen to you. Your accusers will be more numerous whom I have now restrained, though you did not perceive it, and they will be more severe inasmuch as they are younger, and you will be more indignant. For if you think that by putting men to death you will restrain anyone from upbraiding you because you do not live well, you are much mistaken, for this method of escape is neither possible nor honorable, but that other is most honorable and most easy, not to put a check upon others, but for a man to take heed to himself, how he may be most perfect. Having predicted this much to those of you who have condemned me, I take my leave of you. But with you who have voted for my acquittal, I would gladly hold converse on what has now taken place, while the magistrates are busy, and I am not yet carried to the place where I must die. Stay with me then so long, O Athenians, for nothing hinders our conversing with each other whilst we are permitted to do so, for I wish to make known to you, as being my friends, the meaning of that which has just now befallen me. To me then, O my judges, and in calling you judges I call you rightly, a strange thing has happened. For the wanted prophetic voice of my guardian deity, on every former occasion, even in the most trifling affairs, opposed me if I was about to do anything wrong. But now that has befallen me which ye yourselves behold, and which any one would think, and which is supposed to be the extremity of evil. Yet neither when I departed from home in the morning did the warning of the god oppose me, nor when I came up here to the place of trial, nor in my address when I was about to say anything yet on other occasions it has frequently restrained me in the midst of speaking. But now it has never throughout this proceeding opposed me, either in what I did or said. What then do I suppose to be the cause of this? I will tell you. What has befallen me appears to be a blessing, and it is impossible that we think rightly who suppose that death is an evil. A great proof of this to me is the fact that it is impossible but that the accustomed signal should have opposed me, unless I had been about to meet with some good. Moreover, we may hence conclude that there is great hope that death is a blessing. For to die is one of two things. For either the dead may be annihilated and have no sensation of anything whatever, or as it is said, there is a certain change and passage of the soul from one place to another. And if it is a privation of all sensation, as it were, a sleep, in which the sleeper has no dream, death would be a wonderful gain. For I think that if anyone, having selected a night in which he slept so soundly as not to have had a dream, and having compared this night with all the other nights and days of his life, should be required on consideration to say how many days and nights he had passed better and more pleasantly than this night throughout his life. I think that not only a private person, but even a great king himself would find them easy to number in comparison with other days and nights. If, therefore, death is a thing of this kind... I say it is a gain, for thus all futurity appears to be nothing more than one night. But if, on the other hand, death is a removal from hence to another place, and what is said be true, that all the dead are there, what greater blessing can there be than this, my judges? For if on arriving at Hades, released from these who pretend to be judges, one shall find those who are true judges, and who are said to judge there, Minos and Radamanthus, Iacus, and Triptolemus, and such others of the demigods as were just during their own life, would this be a sad removal? At what price would you not estimate a conference with Orpheus, and Musias, Hesiod, and Homer? I indeed should be willing to die often, if this be true. For to me the sojourn there would be admirable, when I should meet with Palamedes and Ajax son of Telamon, and any other of the ancients who has died by an unjust sentence. The comparing my sufferings with theirs would, I think, be no unpleasing occupation. But the greatest pleasure would be to spend my time in questioning and examining the people there as I have done those here, and discovering who among them is wise, and who fancies himself to be so but is not. At what price, my judges, would not any one estimate the opportunity of questioning him? Who led that mighty army against Troy, or Ulysses, or Sisyphus, or ten thousand others, whom one might mention both men and women, with whom to converse and associate and to question them would be an inconceivable happiness. Surely for that the judges there do not condemn to death, for in other respects those who live there are more happy than those that are here, and are henceforth immortal, if at least what is said be true. You, therefore, O oh my judges, ought to entertain good hopes with respect to death, and to meditate on this one truth, that to a good man nothing is evil, neither while living, nor when dead, nor are his concerns neglected by the gods. And what has befallen me is not the effect of chance, but this is clear to me, that now to die and be freed from my cares is better for me. On this account the warning in no way turned me aside, and i bear no resentment toward those who condemned me or against my accusers although they did not condemn and accuse me with this intention but thinking to injure me in this they deserve to be blamed this much however i beg of them punish my sons when they grow up o judges paining them as i have pained you if they appear to you to care for riches or anything else before virtue and if they think themselves to be something when they are nothing reproach them as I have done you, for not attending to what they ought, and for conceiving themselves to be something when they are worth nothing. If ye do this, both I and my sons shall have met with just treatment at your hands. But it is now time to depart, for me to die, for you to live. But which of us is going to a better state is unknown to every one but God. End of chapter 15.